Welcome to the Age of Enfrightenment, and Happy Halloween! I'm your host, the disembodied voice from beyond the veil. I'm proud to introduce to you my co-host, Ed. I, should, I feel like I should do a spooky voice, but nothing's going on. Hold on, wait, wait, I got it, I got it. Hello, I'm Ed. I'm a bad guy. Oh my god, he's terrifying. Ah, I'm the wolf man. <laughs> Kids might listen to this. That was fucked up, man. We're trying to keep this PG. That was horrible. We have really wonderful news for you at AOE. We don't have to introduce Dave because he's not here. Yeah, um, I personally, I don't think there's much that should come before our duties as podcasters. Including what Dave is doing right now. Yeah, uh, it's not important. We're not even going to get into it. I will say this, though. He's told, he's assured us that in a few days he will be in Ireland on a very in-depth, spooky research trip that has absolutely nothing to do with the fact that he just married uh, his his fiance and girlfriend of over five years. <laughs> it's nothing, nothing like that whatsoever. No, no. It's, um, I mean, let's be real. Do we need Dave? He's really just been dead weight. Everybody's saying it. We don't need Dave because he's been replaced by a spooky soundboard. You know, I got to say, me and the soundboard have just hit it off right off the bat. <laughs> you know, instant friends. And I think that this is a bold new direction for the podcast. I think that means the soundboard feels the same way. Cool. Cool. <laughs> So we're talking about Halloween. Uh, it would be really weird if we didn't, which is why we're doing this just the two of us. Obviously, we'd love if Dave could be with us, but it would seem very bizarre for us to talk about spooky things literally year-round and then not today. So what's nice is that we're going to release this on Halloween itself. So we'll be a day late, but I think it'll be appropriate to listen to it on Halloween if you can. And we'll try to make it spooky. I will say we're in very spooky ambiance right now. We totally are. We're in Nick's apartment and we got the lights down low, but there's a lot of Halloween lights up. Yeah. We've uh, got spooky bats and cats taped to the wall. We got some, we have, we got some candlelight going. Yeah. We there's have all sorts of skulls yeah, around. More than one skull. We have a mummified skull and a black skull which i guess was probably a victim of a fire and all of the skin just kind of congealed to the skull that would be my guess oh yeah we've got no our, doubt we've got our spooky hulu graveyard going on in the background yeah that's a thing it's kind of like that the the yule log channel <laughs> on christmas where you just have the log in the backgrounds and it plays christmas music but like it's a graveyard and you know, some stuff happens. Like there was a zombie hand. There are some bats, and <laughs> you know, it's it's just it's 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 pretty pretty nifty, guys. Yeah. So we're gonna talk about Halloween. We're gonna keep it a little casual, but it's still us. So we need to talk about a little bit about what is it? Why is it important to humans? Why do we all care about it? Even though it seems counterintuitive for a lot of people who aren't into spooky stuff all year round. Well, Halloween is the day, two thousand years ago, when our <laughs> Lord and Savior Dracula was born. <laughs> In a manger in Transylvania. Right. Ba baptized in a pool of virgin blood. <laughs> uh, same day. They didn't really wait around like we do these days. So it's that's basically the, the long and short of it. And now we're just going to talk about our favorite Halloween candy 
for the next 45 minutes hell yeah i mean i know you say that as like a joke but i could absolutely could talk about just candy we will get and to fill that. an hour we will get to that so we can start out a little bit with the things that we know about halloween everybody talks about it in terms of trick-or-treating uh, getting candy, dressing up, usually more often these days as like a superhero or a Disney princess. But once upon a time, the dress up was definitely more practical and it had to do with the spirit world. And what I found kind of interesting doing some research on on the roots of Halloween is that all over the world, even people who don't celebrate Halloween, it seems like many cultures on every continent have some kind of fall or early winter festival that commemorates the dead or just dying in general which i think is kind of interesting i guess it has to do with the changing of the seasons. that's that's yeah that's what i was thinking you know it's just this time of year um the the leaves are starting to change it's the the days are starting to get shorter darker and colder right and it hasn't been that long since summer ended Mm -hmm. so just naturally death is on people's minds around this time of year And in particular, I found that in all the different cultures I looked into, even if they didn't have the European roots of Halloween, they have this idea that the the wall that separates the veil, if you will, to separate that separates us from from the dead is at its thinnest this time of year. So there's almost something intuitive in, in the human brain that tells us that if there's any time where we can commune with the dead, this would be the time, this season of renewal of like the old dying before something new comes in. And there were some pretty cool things that I found. So we can get into some of those. But just to talk about Halloween specifically at first, what some people might know but not a lot know is that it has a lot of its roots in in a very old ancient Celtic pagan ritual <clears throat> called Samhain. Spelled Samhain is how people might have seen it. How Glenn Danzig pronounces it is right, Samhain. Right, it would, it would be the, the transition between Misfits and Danzig. <laughs> that little era, you had hits like Archangel and Let the Day Begin. That was all Samhain, and that's pretty much all you need to know about that. <laughs> so the, the key to Halloween that I think is really cool, and this is true about a lot of holidays, but I think in Halloween it's, it's particularly interesting because it's things that don't seem like they should match up is that multiculturalism is so the key to getting to where we're at now. You really had to take pieces of all these different things and apply them to get what we see as the spooky time of year with ghosts and witches and all this stuff. In particular, it was a Celtic festival around this time of the year, around the fall. It dates back to like 2,000 years ago. So this is well before Christianity made it to Europe. And the Celts were in Ireland, they were in, in England, they were in parts of France. But a lot of the Halloween that we have today comes from Irish people coming over into America and bringing with them, which is something that I didn't really know until I dug into it. I thought maybe it was more of an English roots, but it seemed like people in the U.S. didn't really care much about Halloween at all until like the 19th century. Really? Yeah, yeah. Hmm. So the Irish kind of brought it over with them because they... Like a lot of places that we've seen, like similar to how the in Latin America, you have this mixing of Spanish and Mayan culture or Spanish and Aztec. Ireland held on to a lot of its pagan roots more so. And I think we've kind of touched on that kind of stuff in the past. Yeah, I'm sure once we get into episodes about like fairies, we'll get yeah, absolutely. into that a lot. And they, they held on to a lot of their pagan roots more than the English did, who were more of the Puritans. And 
I think part of that, and, and we've talked about this, I think ad nauseum at this point, is Catholicism because it is a sort of superstitious religion compared to some of the other mm-hmm. Christian sects. Mm-hmm. It melds really well with this paganism. And that's basically what happened in the 8th century when Christianity came in. They sort of took those pagan rituals and were able to phase them out by blending it with All Saints Day and All Souls Day, which are on um, the 1st and the 2nd of November. So, right, kind of like how they did similar things with Christmas, you know? Right. The idea of Christ's birth lining up with these Yule festivals, um, you know, and Christmas trees being symbols of, you know, Nordic gods. Yeah. Which are, All of the th- things that have obviously nothing to do with Jesus because he was yeah. born in the desert— <clears throat> have have that explanation and this is exactly like that so they came in and their best way to phase out the paganism was to just say oh no we do that too but it's about it's about jesus it's about saints it's Mm -hmm. about so that's why halloween comes from all hollows which is connected to all souls all hollowed souls and eventually just bad cockney accents i guess turned it into (laughs) into halloween at some point um and and scholars have said that likely Samhain it meant something along the lines of summer's end or winter's birth. They're not really sure of the exact translation at this point, but it's a very old Celtic word. Um, and like I said, it predates Christianity. So that's important to note because I think we connect Halloween culturally, and we touched on this in the witch episode, with things like the witch's Sabbath and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And it, that all comes from Christianity, ironically. We wouldn't think of this as an evil holiday if it weren't for christians because the pagans were just like no we want to celebrate the harvest Mm -hmm. we want to you know celebrate the fact that we have food now to get us through the winter it was much more natural and nothing to do with evil or anything (laughs) it was just like the spirit world and how and as a good thing like the the, let's revere the people we've lost and let's celebrate the harvest Mm -hmm. and have a good time right and halloween in, in in some places and with some people has taken on this sort of sinister ideology to it that i feel like a lot of early religions didn't have it was about communicating particularly with like you know the the latin uh, dio dia de los muertos mm. you know it's about communing with your your ancestors the lo- loved ones that you've lost and celebrating them uh you know stuff about witches and demons and devils that that all came later that came yeah. after Way the christian later. influence yeah and even even sort of after <laughs> it hit Europe, it was still very much a religious holiday. It was very much about, this is the night before All Souls, so it's a night to be very pious. It's a night to celebrate and dance, but also to think of what you're grateful for. And there really wasn't this horror element. That really didn't come until way later, like just in the U.S. pretty much. The first uh, accounts that I saw of people really trick-or-treating in the U.S. were around like World War II. Wow. And, yeah, and even before then, because like I said, those Irish settlers came in the 19th century. They brought it with them, but it was much more trick than treat. It was a lot more like how we think of Mischief Night uh-huh. now, of just people pulling pranks, egging houses, just being general neighborhood ruffians. Mm. That hit like a peak of sort of, uh, of violence in the 20s and 30s from a lot of what I read. And a part, a way to appease that was to make it more of a kid's holiday and say like, oh, why don't we have the kids dress up? And because the dress up was part of it. That goes back to the pagan thing too, was had to do with the spirit world. And they said, well, let's change that element. Just make it about fun dress up for kids and getting candy. And that Mm -hmm. sort of toned down the holiday and kept it from just being a thing where adults act the fool. 
like the night before <laughs> All Souls. I'll tell you what, though. Those Irish, they are determined to be drunk and idiots, though, because, I mean, <laughs> they look at what St. Patrick's up. Day has yeah. happened. They still have their fuck shit up holiday. They really do. And they've earned it. They they certainly have. And and it's funny, too, because we still have things. Like, it, where from where we're from, if you're not... If you're listening from almost any other part of the country, you might not be familiar with the term mischief night. Very much a Northeast, sort of Philadelphia, mm-hmm. Jersey kind of thing. You might have heard it as Devil's Night in I've Detroit. I've heard people call it Goosey Night. Goosey Night is apparently pretty big. Yeah, and that's. I, and I think that's not. a Jersey thing. Yeah, I, I, it's like a specific part of Jersey. I think you're right. Yeah. Which is so weird. I don't know, I don't know mm. enough about it to speak to why that is. Yeah. But but it's that seems to be an important night too, and I I wonder if it's just a holdover of no, we need a night where we just get our crazies out and just have like a mini version of the purge and just watch <laughs> it up. So they just moved it a night before Halloween. So yeah. what used to be like Halloween's the night before all, all Souls, and people are like, well, nobody really cares about All Souls. So what's better the night before Halloween? That'll be our fuck shit up night. Mm-hmm. So that kind of changed. But like I said, there's there's these components to it that we are familiar with now, like dressing up. And that comes from the, the pagan ritual of Samhain too, because they believe that the spirits of the underworld would come and breathe death onto the crops, which is why winter would fall. So they would dress up in costumes to blend in with the dead, hence costumes being kind of terrifying because they want to look ghoulish. Mm-hmm. And they would often leave food and wine on the, on the doorstep to like appease the spirits, which is a very super Irish thing anyway. Yeah. When you think about the fair folk and stuff, which mm-hmm. we will definitely touch on in later episodes. All of that stuff is part of it. And it kind of grew in these traditions of things called mumming and guising, which are basically this idea of dressing up. And there was even an English tradition called souling, where the poor would go door to door and and basically beg for food on all souls day in exchange for prayers for their dead so they'd go to the wealthier people and say like oh you know kind of like how you pass a homeless person on the street today and they say god bless you uh-huh same I, it's like the guilt trip like oh it's all souls day mom please all- sir it's all souls <laughs> may we have some boiled goose <laughs> or boiled anything i guess like bo- i don't know boiled sweat from your some socks pickled or- cod <laughs> So they would basically like guilt trip them and say, we'll pray for your dead on this, the holiest of days, if you give us boiled goose. <laughs> but there are all these things that tie in. And, and Theo, you had talked about Dia de los Muertos, which kind of has its origin in, in Mexico. And that is like, it's a huge part of their culture, which blows right. my mind that it's not just that day. It's, it's mm. a very important holiday for them. Right. And, you know, we kind of see that as an analog to the American idea of halloween and there's definitely some similarities there you know it's the the festivities the the costumes everything like that but i feel like uh dia de los muertos has a much stronger religious connotation yeah that the american version of halloween has completely lost absolutely it it is it's sort of perfectly tied into their secular psyche and their religious catholic psyche right because the thing is too that i really kind of love about dia de los muertos and go look up things like sugar skulls and stuff like that and it's so colorful, and there really isn't mm-hmm. the scary component. That's not to say that Mexican people don't watch horror movies on mm-hmm. Halloween, but for them, it's much more about honoring your dead, communicating with them, because again, just like we see in different cultures, that veil is very thin, mm-hmm. and you can feel much more like you're being heard by your grandmother or someone that's passed. So it's a very sort of like sweet, solemn thing for them. And 
and they've created this beautiful like tapestry of artwork to tap into year in and year out, which I think yeah. is really cool because we don't have a lot of cohesion, I think, at least not in the way we dress up. Like there's pumpkins and there's jack-o'-lanterns and stuff like that, but there isn't this sense of a team effort on Halloween. Right. And the costumes and the, the makeup that they do wear, it really ties into, you know, how Samhain operated. It's about specifically about being disguised as a dead person right as, as a, a, a soul that's departed so you know and dia de los muertos you're not getting people dressed up as captain america captain america <laughs> captain mexico i guess popeye <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah it's specifically this um this look to me- meant to you know stylize definitely stylize and that's one of the reasons it's so fucking cool yeah but definitely meant to be a dead person but it's i don't know it's weird because i think this the idea of ghosts and departed souls and communication with them is a very the idea of that being scary is very i guess american I at least it is at too. least eastern you know or what i'm western. sorry western western yeah, no yeah. i think you're absolutely because right because in the smartos they're meant to be it's a happy thing mm-hmm. we see it as scary because ah skeletons yeah. but even in like a lot of eastern religions in japan um in india communication with your dead relatives is meant to be a good thing yeah it's like a beautiful moment that right. you get to share you're not afraid you're not like trying to exercise if anyone's watching lore right now, which is moved from a podcast into an Amazon original show, they do an episode about communication with the spirit world. And they do another episode about uh, the first, you know, rumored American vampire, Mercy Brown, and how she's feeding on her own family. So they're very much like, we don't want Mercy here. Like, mm-hmm. she's haunting us. That's bad. That seems like a very Protestant, Anglo-Saxon hang up to be afraid of the dead coming back as opposed yeah. to like oh they're yeah. still with us how wonderful is that and i think part of that comes from the catholicism like i know that you know that that people still watching over us still being with us all the time is is a big part of that so i think they embrace it more and this multiculturalism thing happened again with dia de los muertos where now from europe it we take the already mixed up idea of halloween the conquistadors bring it over and mix it with the Aztec festivals because they had their own, I think it's in August, is there's like a, there was a feast of an Aztec goddess of death, Mikta Kakuatl. I guess that's probably close. Azte- yeah. Aztec's hard. But that was their an entire month where they would revere their goddess of death. And they sort of just moved that up a couple of months into the fall, mixed it with Halloween, and then get, that's what gave us things like sugar skulls and a big thing that ca- that you see all the time with Dia de los Muertos is La Catrina Calavera, which is the skeleton dame. Mm-hmm. So that's like a very pretty dressed up woman in, in fine clothing, but she's a skeleton. She's not the Katrina that you see in costumes where it's like a really sexy girl <laughs> with makeup on her face. Like, no, yeah. she's a straight up skeleton. And that was sort of popularized partly because of this notion of Santa Muerte, which is Saint Death or Holy Death which is kind of this unofficial Catholic saint in Mexico, which is literally the personification of death. Saint Death sounds like a Batman villain. <laughs> it really does. <laughs> like, it's it's kind of, yeah, it, it does. It, it seems like something that we would jokingly call a villain, mm-hmm. but they revere it. And there's a, very, there's a really famous lithograph from the 1900s, this printmaker, Joseph Posada, Guadalupe Posada, 
created that that first woodcut illustration of a skeletal woman in these fine clothing and it became like a rallying cry for mexican identity outside of this that's because mm-hmm. that's how important david De- De- los muertos is it's not just like we celebrate it once a year it's like a very pivotal thing that people look forward to year round and they they work it into their culture every day and saint death this santa muerte idea has even created almost offshoot religions from catholicism and i was reading a couple of really interesting articles that we can link to about how a lot of people who are either drug users or prostitutes people who feel like both the state and the church have cast them out Uh they they take refuge in this sort of santa muerte religion which is basically catholicism that really reveres year-round uh santa muerte and they feel like by embracing death they can live their lives free of fear and just live every life to the full so again it's this if you'd think it would be this evil death cult i'm Uh sure that's how americans would see it (laughs) but it's really a very positive message which i think taps into what halloween i think should be at its core is like a celebration it's whistling past the graveyard we're all gonna die mm-hmm. so let's have a great time as opposed to this is the day we all get scared yeah i mean Hall- halloween's definitely become very secular yeah and i mean it's it's still wonderful it's still probably my favorite day of the year and i definitely you know will think about death and think about you know the afterlife around this time of year but as a whole we don't it's just a fun thing to do yeah and that's fine i guess americans as a culture we don't really how do i want to phrase this we're not very introspective no and no i think and i think we touched about this on our first ever episode or episode zero Mm -hmm. when we did our three-parter and i talked about the memento mori the memento mori and that that idea of keeping death on your mind all the time so that you can live a good life and Mm. and i think you brought up the same point which is people don't i don't think we embrace thinking about it it's not something i know a lot of colleges do this and i know the university i went to did this where you could actually take a death and dying course and the fact that we needed that I think says a lot about our culture it's mm-hmm. something that people aren't comfortable talking about so i know a lot of universities feel like this is a huge thing it's it's just up there with with having sex with being born having sex taking a shit <laughs> eating like you're going to die mm-hmm. so it's weird that we don't talk about it more often and i think dia de los muertos really embraces that whereas for us halloween i mean i know people who don't like halloween because they don't want to think about death Mm-hmm. and spooky things so it is there's clearly a <coughs> there's a disconnect there for americans for sure yeah and this whole idea of halloween being a horror holiday comes i think from a lot of uh, american bias about things that are pagan things that are too death related and it's kind of great because i i love that part i love that all the scary stuff is there mm-hmm. so it's like all of the christian bias and bigotry kind of at least turned itself into a pretty dope ass holiday <laughs> that we get to enjoy but that's basically the the crux of it and even in in other cultures and like i said this is on different continents there are these similar festivals that happen around the same time of the year, usually around the lunar calendar as opposed to the Gregorian calendar because these are Eastern nations. But in Korea, they have, I think it's Chuseok or Chuseok, uh, which is around September or October, coincides with the harvest. People clean off the graves of their ancestors. They revere their ancestors. Again, that veil is thin between the spirit world. 
Same thing in China. There's a Buddhist and, and Taoist tradition of the Hungry Ghost Festival. Usually happens a little earlier, July or August. It's like the seventh lunar rotation. And the gates to the netherworld are open, they believe. Cool. So people avoid going out at night because the veil isn't just thin. It's the ghosts, they're, they're among you. It's that like dance macabre idea of they're just out in the fields playing. And that hungry ghost idea comes from the fact that you actually have to feed ghosts who are physically starving in a way. So much like in Europe with Samhain, people would put food out um, on their doorstep and they would do offerings. This is still celebrated. It's a pretty big holiday uh, for, for those religions. And, and they put out offerings of paper money and possessions and they burn it because that's how you get it to the spirit world. So that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> In a really kind of dumb way. Right. It's, it's like the paper has to pass on too. Right. It's, so they, so what they'll do is they'll, they'll make mock money or mock food possessions. Mm-hmm. I even saw like watches, like material possessions out of paper because why would you need they don't need their spirit world it's a symbolic gesture right so by burning that it's believed that they can have those comforts in the spirit world because when it burns it sort of passes into their realm that's just that's that's awesome it's pretty freaking cool. yeah yeah and and much like that there's also uh oh so you know people are familiar with things like chinese lanterns that's a holiday where that plays in and then the last one that i had was uh Pichum ben which is a uh, cambodian uh festival for the khmer religion and it's 15 days sometime between mid-september and october and again that veil between the spirit world is very thin and what i thought was interesting was that the the ghosts come back to the spirit world partly to atone for sins so they I, I don't know how they do that but it's believed that they can come back so that they can make peace with someone who's still hmm. living that maybe they had wronged, which is like the inverse of what you see. It's usually like the living are revering the dead. This is like the right. dead coming back to be like, sorry about all that shit I said. I'm going to go back to the spirit world <laughs> in 15 days, but let's hang out. You know, in Finland, they have a holiday called the Hingadugan, where <laughs> eat every town will assemble in the town square, and they have the Hingadugan pumpkin that everybody takes turns whispering into the pumpkin all the bad things they've done all year, and one person is elected and has to eat the sin pumpkin. <laughs> like, the whole thing, including the stem. Right, just the, in one sitting, too. Right, yeah, he's yeah. not allowed to throw up, uh, no assistance. If he does throw up, then they have to do it again. And I challenge it. any Finlandian to tell us that we're wrong. <laughs> we have hard proof of that one. Happy... I don't. I don't even remember the Hingadugan. There we go. Happy Hingadugan, everybody. It's just it's turning into like a Swedish chef <laughs> saying right now. Yeah. So that's. I mean, that's the the crux of the cultural breadth of it, which I wanted to get up front. But we also just want to talk about Halloween. It's the reason. It's partly the reason we do this podcast. I yeah. don't think any of us would be in a spooky shit without Halloween. No, Halloween. What is so great about Halloween, in my opinion, is that for one month out of the year everybody is obsessed with the crap that i love all the time right yeah and that feels good like it's mm-hmm. not i i agree because i've never felt like the disgruntled star trek fan who's like oh everybody's into my thing now <laughs> it, it's it's kind of cool that people like i know at, at work i talk more of it about the things that i'm into over the past month because everybody's in that mood they mm-hmm. want to talk about costumes they want to talk about uh, movies like it that just came out because they're in that spooky mood all october long and it's great i feel like 
oh, this is nice. And then, you know, throughout the rest of the year, it can just be sort of our thing, our meaning, those of us in the population that Halloween is a year-round thing. But it's nice to get to, like, share it with people and, right. and get people interested in watching the same movies we like and listening to the same music. And mm-hmm. there's a whole culture around Halloween that can last year-round if you really want it to. So, Theo, what I'm wondering up front, for you as a kid, mm-hmm. what was the core thing? Was it the candy, the costumes, the spookiness? What was the thing that just made you be like, this is my freaking day? Initially, I mean, I, I've always loved weird and creepy things. Uh, so the fact that there was a day celebrating it was awesome, but there was, when I was little, Halloween was just, it was magical. Mm-hmm. So there's this day out of the year where I get to dress up in a costume, and when I was little, most of my costumes were like comic book characters. I've been Batman, I was Venom one year in like second grade, I was the Riddler, uh, the Joker, so I'd get dressed up in this awesome costume, and I would go out at night, and usually on a weeknight. Right. And just walk around and get candy. And there would just be all these people in costumes and all these lights and everything. And it was just something hypnotic and just wonderful about it. And then, because I went to Catholic school, I had off the next day. <laughs> right, because, yeah, because yeah. it's All Souls Day. It's a yeah, Holy Day Saints, of Obligation. All Saints Day, yeah. Yeah, yeah you're right. It did, we were kind of spoiled in that way. Mm-hmm. That it felt akin to Christmas, where it seemed important enough that obligations would stop. And mm-hmm. everyone would observe this thing which again is like it seems ironic that this religious and secular thing would meet up but it has these old old roots that it's always going to be there and because it hits so many cultures everybody gets to just stop for a moment and enjoy halloween for one reason or another which is so cool i and i agree it, it did feel magical it felt like especially i think what was cool about is watching adults get as into it yeah i know my best friend dan he and, and his brother and, and their dad would do a group costume mm-hmm. every year. And they'd go over the top. One year, their dad, Nelson, was a mailman. And the two of them were an envelope and a mailbox. And they were like <laughs> extravagant costumes. And they would do this every year. And I think growing up watching adults be really goofy about it, dress up and act like kids, made it almost more exciting than Christmas. Because I felt like Christmas was always great. I love Christmas too. But it felt like, well, I sit at the kids' table. The parents drink beer. They do all this Mm -hmm. stuff. It feels like an adult-kid separation. Halloween just seems like everybody's a kid all at the same time. Yeah. You know, the candy was also great too. The candy was pretty dope. (laughs) I mean, I have diabetes now, but I didn't then. (laughs) And maybe that's why, but I used to eat a shitload of candy on Halloween. Like, when I'm giving out candy on Halloween now... It always just kind of boggles my mind when you see kids with these those little like jack-o'-lantern pails mm. or things like that. I would go out with a pillowcase. Oh, you got to go full-sized, adult, one half of a queen-size bed pillowcase. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And um, I have an older sister. She's a year and a half older than me, so she was just one grade ahead of me in school. And once we got to the age where we didn't have to – we could just go out trick-or-treating on our own. And we didn't have to go, like, with parents. And we could just go out with our friends. We would – something that we bonded over is mm-hmm. we would go out. We would each have our pillowcase. And then we would have one backup pillowcase. Yeah. And we wouldn't come home until the backup pillowcase was full. Right. We would be out for hours. You go to work on yeah. that night. Yeah. I, I remember we were the same way where – because I think those were my favorite years. Like, it was definitely – the magical element was more present when I was 8 or 9. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't till I was maybe, you know, between 12 and 15 or maybe a little earlier, like 11 and 14 or something like that, 
those were the best years because I could go out with my friends, stay out till basically whenever. Yeah. I would just have to check in. Like we'd double back to my street <coughs> at some point. I'd check in with my mom and be like, oh, we're going to go do these streets now. And we'd be out till people weren't opening their doors anymore. Mm-hmm. And then you'd, and like you said, then we'd have off the next day. So it felt like this ultimate freedom. And I know people complain these days about, oh, it's not, you know, it's not safe to like let your kids. And I feel bad because I think there is a community, a fear of your community that exists now. Mm-hmm. And I don't believe it's grounded in fact because all the statistics show that we live in a safer world. But because we hear more about fucked up things and child predators and stuff we don't have the confidence in our neighborhoods to like let kids roam about like we did right i don't think anymore i've heard people talk about that where it's like you go to like one street and everybody just goes there but then most of the neighborhood around and all the lights are off Mm because nobody's giving out candy and we didn't grow up in that world we grew up in the world where it's like you could go on any street and clean house yeah exactly um i living in the suburbs where i do now trick-or-treating it's about an hour maybe an hour and mm-hmm. a half where kids come around so pr- between like i'm gonna say like 6 30 and 8 30 at the mm-hmm. absolute latest the 8 30 would make it like one or two stragglers right. but that's it um and we were kids you know back in our day right <laughs> and that's not a lot of time in the dark either yeah i think that was crucial like you said that magical feeling i think partly was being up late mm-hmm. everything is lit up and granted, we're not advocating that your six-year-old should go out at 10 o'clock at night. No, no. But for the slightly older kids, like preteens, the people who are probably just a little bit, like they'll almost be too old to do it in mm-hmm. the next couple of years, that's a, the perfect time to go out on Halloween, where you can go out on your yeah. own, you're with your friends, and it's late. You just can't beat that feeling. Like Nothing like Christmas is... Christmas is great for family. You're never going to, as a child, beat the fun of Halloween, I, right. I don't think. Yeah, and when we were we were always safe about it. Uh, when sure. my sister and I were going out, carry a gun. This is, this is America. <laughs> um, you know, our parents made sure we knew: don't go into anybody's houses. Mm-hmm. Uh, stay with your friends because we'd go out with like a big group of friends. You know, stay together. Right. Don't get separated. Um, you know, don't take any open candy, things like that. You know, sensible stuff. Mm. Um, so it it is it, it's it's a shame that things are the way they are that kids aren't going to have that experience. Yeah. And I, I think what's good, at least, is there are certain components of Halloween that are never going to go away. I think the trick-or-treating thing, from our perspective, kids growing up now, they don't know the difference, so they probably love it. But we might think that excitement has waned, but the thing that hasn't is the costumes. And I get so excited when I see parents get like super into make, helping their kids make great costumes. That's how traditions last, because mm-hmm. they keep sharing it. I know in my house... Halloween wasn't a huge deal. Like, my parents thought it was fine, but I remember at a pretty young age, I was the only one that would decorate for it because it would be, like, the 29th, and I'd be like, Mom, we don't have any decorations up. And my mom would be like, oh, yeah, sorry. So I kind of had to be the Halloween guy in the household, which made me like it more because then it felt like, oh, this is Nick's holiday. But I know that there are families that share it, and I guess what I'm getting at is I know earlier, uh, before we started recording, you talked about your traditions with with your brother, Nate. Mm -hmm. That's a really important day for you guys. It's like a, it's oh, yeah. a family day. Whereas for me growing up, it was like, oh, this is my day. It's kind of cool that you had this as like a, a connection. And, and with, you know, with your sister too, like you said, going yeah. out and trick-or-treating. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's always been a, a really big deal. So what my brother and I do, we have we have um, this tradition. For the past couple of years, we have been the one handling trick-or-treating. 
uh, because he's he's um, seventeen, mm-hmm. uh, so he hasn't been trick or treating for a couple years now. Right. And what we do is we hang out on the front porch. We generally put on. We'll probably put on. Um, Treehouse of Horrors, the Halloween right. Simpsons episodes, Simpsons, yeah. and just marathon those. And when kids come up, we have two balls of candy. One ball of candy is what we call the good candy, full-size candy bars. Right. Absolutely full-size. And the other one's full of snakes. <laughs> Poisonous snakes. The other bowl, <laughs> it might as well be because the other bowl is just full of shit. <laughs> like, just the worst candy you right. could find. So the way it works is when kids come up, we judge them on their costumes. So if somebody has, like, a really good costume, or not even a really good costume, but it's clear that they put some effort into it, Mm. they get the good candy. If somebody comes up, and if it's, like, a 12-year-old kid wearing just, like, a football jersey, Mm. I'll say... Yeah, I'm I'm Peyton Manning. Yeah. No, you're not. (laughs) No, you're not. You didn't put any fucking effort into it. Or just no costume at all. Right. Now, we don't do this to, like, little kids. Uh, Yeah. Because that'd just be fucked up. Right. And their parents would be with them and they'd probably not be too. So this is like mostly the older kids, but like, you know, kids that that really should be putting more effort into it. Exactly. They're like, those kids will come up and be like, no, you failed. Right. You get good and plenty. And we we will, (laughs) no, they do not deserve good and plenty. (laughs) So, okay. So one time, one year, we got the Krabby Candy was miniatures of. White chocolate Hershey's with bits of candy corn in it. Oh, that's they're fucking foul. That existed. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god, it's so terrible. Why would somebody make that? Last year, last year was I think my my piece de resistance, unflavored cough drops. (laughs) You can't even remotely classify that as candy. No. That's that's awesome. And uh, like I'll tell the kids, like you didn't do a good job. Yeah. You put no effort into this. You get the bad candy. Right. Which is so much better than not giving them candy. Yeah. I think. And what's wonderful is when it's like a group of kids and clearly some of them gave a shit and that other one's like, oh, I don't care. And just like... Having to watch their friends get good candy. Right. Exactly. <laughs> or if it's like a kid who has a mask but isn't wearing it and they'll come up and be like, put on your mask. Right. You're not getting candy until you put right. on your mask. Yeah. You need to scare me, motherfucker. Yeah. I'm a yeah. grown man and I want to like, be shocked. Right. So candy, candy, good candy is not a right it is a privilege (laughs) it's something you earn it's not in the constitution you don't just get free candy yeah (laughs) there are rules to halloween and you need to obey them my my favorite story that's very related to that is my parents had similar rules although they would just flat out turn people away they don't get many trick-or-treaters in the neighborhood where i grew up anymore uh, but for a while, they would get a good mix, and late in the later hours, they'd get a lot of the high schoolers that would mm. just show up with their backpack on all over their chest, and they just lean it forward and be like, "Put candy in here." Yeah, which takes even less effort than not wearing anything. It's like it's the com- combination of just a guy walking up, a fifteen-year-old walking yeah, up to your yeah. door, like a six-foot-tall fifteen-year-old just being like, "Give me candy <laughs> for nothing." So my mom would turn away, and she'd be like, "No, I'm serious. You can't." And she worked at the public school, so she knew a lot of these kids. And they'd be like, oh, come on, Mrs. Lardy, you know, Mrs. V, you're being rough. Um, but she wouldn't give it to them. Mm. One of the best stories, and I wish I was there for this, was my, my parents were going through their routine on that night like they always do at home. And a group of kids came up, no costumes on any of them. There was like five or six of them. And my mom said, what are you guys supposed to be? And I said, we're rappers. My mom was like, well, and so uh, to her credit, she didn't say no, you're not, get out of here. She said, well, if you're rappers, you should be able to rap something. These kids, two of them go to either side of the porch, 
start drumming out a beat, and they just go into a full rap, like a full song about Halloween, not just rapping, like rap rapping about Halloween. And my mom was like, "Holy shit, you get you get all the candy." Like that's, that's a very de- that's a very dedicated costume. That's incredible. And like that's a moment that you can't get with a lot of holidays. And I think it's one of my favorite Halloween stories because. You don't do that. You know, you spend uh, time with your family on other holidays and it's great. Halloween, I think, is about surprises. That was a surprise for my parents. Sometimes as a kid, you go to somebody's spooky house and you think it's just decorated, but then they've turned their whole yard into like a haunted maze or something. Mm -hmm. And then you get candy at the end or somebody scares you right before you grab. Those surprises just push Halloween way over the top for me. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's so many cool stories like that. One thing I'm wondering about, because this is so core to, I think, both of our fall traditions in general, not just Halloween. What are your top must-watch Halloween movies, either on Halloween or just in in October in general? Okay, so number one, Trick or Treat. Awesome. Which I think is the perfect Halloween movie. It really is, because it's an anthology. So you get these little pieces of all of the different things we've come to know Mm -hmm. as Halloween. And it's just really well done and genuinely scary at parts. Yeah, genuinely scary and genuinely fun. Yeah, but not in an overly campy way, which mm-hmm. they really ride that line. I don't, if, if people haven't seen it, it's an anthology. You might recognize if you're thinking maybe I did or didn't. There's sort of a, a character that runs throughout the story as very small, has like a burlap sack over his head, kind of a big bulbous head. You don't know until the end what's under there. So that's the movie we're talking about. There are these little vignettes about all of the different kinds of monsters and killers and things that you've come to, that have come to be very stereotypical Mm. and and tropey for Halloween and then doing it in a really new way. And it's set in this town in Illinois. Mm. I think it's Illinois. And it's, uh, the story's kind of intertwined with each other and is just really, really goddamn fun. Right. And it's got kind of like a Stephen King, like, Derry vibe. Yeah. Like, every, yeah. it's like, this seems like such a quaint little town, and yet under the underneath the seams, there's just all this fucked up shit happening, but everybody just kind of smiles through it and howdy neighbors their way through life. It's a perfect, you're right, it is a perfect mm-hmm. Halloween movie. And it also has a scene with a child of maybe six years old shouting at his father charlie brown's an asshole (laughs) it's just just (sighs) you can't get that just anywhere yeah any other uh big ones for you um well i feel like it's kind of you know cheating at this point but nightmare before christmas of course yeah and throughout like the the holiday season i'll watch that like three or four times yeah Uh, agreed and so for people who do know me this will be obvious for people who don't that is the most important movie to my life in the sense that it helped me figure out what my aesthetic for life was going to be. I have a oogie boogie half sleeve tattooed on my arm. And what that movie really represents more than anything is the beginning of my favorite portion of the year. Halloween to Christmas is hands down the, my favorite part of the year and always was despite it being in the beginning of the school season just as a kid, it always felt like between Halloween and Christmas and you sandwich Thanksgiving in there, it seemed like there was always something really fun and festive happening. Whereas there'd be long patches throughout all the parts of the year where just mm-hmm. nothing's happening. It's just, I'm just going to school. Yeah. You know, it's like 4th of July is great. Summer in general is great. But I feel like those things get kind of dumbed down because they're so spaced out. 
Whereas something about Halloween to Christmas just feels like a straight magical time start to finish. And that movie represents that whole time, not just Halloween. Well said. Another thing thing I love about Halloween is just flipping through the channels and, you know, finding horror movies on AMC or like the sci-fi channel or HBO or something. And, you know, watching something that I hadn't seen before or Mm. something that I haven't thought of in a while. The other day I watched Halloween 2 for the first time Mm. in years. Right. And uh, that that actually makes me think of another thing. One of the reasons I think I love Halloween so much is, you know, when we were kids and we had that experience of horror movies just being on. Um, I mean, it's kind of funny to think of the march of time now and like the weird ways that it's um, technology has changed. But when we were... 10 11 tv didn't have the guides or the info button shit like that you just had to stumble on things right you turn it on and this would just be a thing and you didn't have imdb to look it up and see who's in it and all that shit so halloween i'd be out with my friends till like 10 or 11 i'd come home i'd stay up late because i didn't have school the next day and i would just watch whatever the hell was on and find like weird horror movies right on like ifc and you know hbo and shit like that and just that was like I, I think you really summed it up saying Halloween is about surprises. Yeah. That's what makes it great. And that flipping through the channels thing and not being able to look up. Like now I think of, I, I wish I didn't have this compulsion, but I'll start watching something. Be like, this looks interesting. And then I'll go on like Rotten Tomatoes and I'll be like, oh, people really didn't like it. Whereas growing up, you could stumble on that horror movie. It might be awful. Mm-hmm. It also might change your life and be the best yeah. horror movie you've ever seen. Either way, you're going on that ride. And... I've been trying to force myself lately that if I do stumble upon something, I'll just see it through. Because that Mm -hmm. surprise factor is really important, getting those things across. Um, I know for me, and this is a big one for you too, although it's only three years old at this point, is Over the Garden Wall. Hell yeah. Which is such a, (coughs) a master stroke of animation. And specifically for the fall. So when mm. I talk about that, when I talked about that idea of like this whole season is amazing, like this Halloween to Christmas portion of the year where the leaves are dying and it's getting colder, Over the Garden Wall is like a symphony that just celebrates that from start to finish. And it's these little vignettes. So you can watch these literally seven, eight minute episodes, or you can watch the whole thing, which is like an hour and 20 minutes long as a movie. And it's just a love letter to this time of year you know it, it's funny uh the other day i was at home with my girlfriends and we're just like flipping through the channels trying to find something like a movie to watch and i had said okay we're not going to watch it tonight but at some point within the next couple weeks you got to watch this thing called over the garden wall with me mm. and she's like all right and i'm trying to explain what it is and she does not like creepy stuff mm. so i'm like explaining it to her and she's like okay it sounds really creepy i don't think i like it <laughs> so like well no no it's it, there's creepy elements to it but it's really funny yeah. and, and heartwarming yeah. yeah so like i'm like all right hold on i'll pull up the trailer and i'm pulling up all these trailers and all of the trailers are just highlighting the monsters right the worst and parts the, yeah <laughs> the, the, the the horrible shit about this she's like okay now it definitely <laughs> looks like a creepy thing right. i'm like no yeah, there's, there's I'm not sure she's, justice. She, she got one, like it. She got one look at Auntie Whispers and was like, "Fuck this." That's this exactly is awful. <laughs> exactly what it was. Easily the scariest thing. And then the um yeah. the the dog in the the first episode. In the first, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um it's I I we won't harp on it too much, but just go watch it because I think 
it sums up the true spirit of Halloween and the season, which is kind of what I said, going back to those ancient roots of it, roots of it being like a harvest, a celebration of the transitioning of the year. It's not creepy for creepy's sake. It's about literally the unknown and it's the woods are called the unknown and that's what it's about. And I think it's the perfect animation for kids to grow up with. I think it has that labyrinth vibe where it feels epic. It feels yeah, it feels yeah. almost biblical in a way. Like this these are fables that have lasted forever even mm-hmm. though they were really just created by uh, Patrick McHale, the writer and creator like a few years ago. Yeah. So I think that one's going to stand the test of time. Another one that is a must for me, and this isn't even on Halloween, is every <coughs> mischief night, but devil's night in the movie, I have to watch The Crow. Every single year. And it's it's a much maligned movie, but I, Listen, ha- I have to watch it. It's just so... People can talk shit on The Crow all the live long day. <laughs> that movie fucking owns. It owns, and it opened the door, and a lot of people don't know this, it kicked down the door for comic book movies being decent yeah because that just wasn't a thing before that because comic book movies were superman you know superman returns the 60s batman like that was Mm -hmm. that was filmed comic books this was the first time that somebody was like no comic books are more than superheroes and they can make for really like dark moody stories and it's to me it's also like quintessential and this is very uh generationist of me it's quintessential 90s oh it is very much a product of its time dripping in black with stone temple pilots and nine inch nails soundtrack the cure like the soundtrack is fucking dope like you you, uh, it's my favorite soundtrack of any movie but i think more than anything it was the movie that when i was maybe 11 or 12 i think actually before i even saw the movie i was at the wildwood boardwalk in south jersey and i bought a crow action figure remember the the mcfarland line mm-hmm. yeah that had like all the movie maniacs and mm-hmm. you could get you could get freddy and stuff and i bought one of the crow and he has the crow sitting on his shoulder and i just thought it was the coolest thing i'd ever seen and it was probably a couple years after that i finally saw it because it's an r-rated movie and i bought it on dvd it's like one of the first dvds it's so goddamn <laughs> old and it was the first time that i felt like this is me like i'm not just a kid i'm a kid that likes this shit <laughs> and then that opened the door to Halloween in general. So it is so important to me every year that I watch this and it's super sappy. It's like a brutal, violent romance. Yeah. And that was a part of it too, was me being like, oh, it's okay to be like a nerd who likes poetry and love, but also like you can die and then come back and shoot a bunch of people that killed your girlfriend. <laughs> so all, all of the, those pieces, and, and I know that movie front to back by heart, but I, it's, I think another thing about holidays is that they breed tradition yeah so it's cool to watch things but like you said there are certain things that you have to watch trick-or-treat with nate i have to watch the crow whether it's alone or it's with my wife whoever's willing mm. to watch i it. actually I, I had a similar experience to the one i just described with nate you know my brother is 17 he's gonna be 18 in two months so there's a bit of an age gap between us and recently, because I haven't watched The Crow in years, mm. and I have one of like the special edition DVDs of right. it with all like the bonus features and everything, because like you know I loved that movie too. But I'm like, we're talking one day. I'm like, oh dude, we gotta watch The Crow sometime. Mm. It's like, oh, I've I've seen stuff about it. I don't know. It looks kind of dumb. No, I'm like, no, dude, it's cool and deep. It's cool and it's also similar. I put it right up there, especially because of the time. But in my mind, in my growing up 
Psyche, I put it right up there with Nirvana, especially because there's a tragic true story to the fact that Brandon Lee was killed on set mm-hmm. by an accidentally uh, a faulty loaded prop gun. One of the other actors killed Brandon Lee on set. So there's that extra dark side to it. And it creates this mythos of like, Brandon Lee would have been the biggest action yeah. star of all yeah. time, which he probably would have been a much bigger deal. Oh, absolutely. Deal. I mean, this is the son of Bruce Lee. If that family wasn't cursed. R- oh, yeah, no shit. Talk about the spooky stuff. There's, there's an episode. We could do a whole episode about the curse of the, the conspiracies about the Lee family. I yeah. think that would be really, really cool. Oh, let's do that. We should do that. <laughs> That's one of them for me. And then the other one for me is is Sleepy Hollow for similar reasons. Oh, Julie and I just watched that. The other yeah. Day. The, I love the, that movie. Tim that Burton's, really holds up so well. It holds up so well. And the Tim Burton Sleepy Hollow is tim burton at his best because it's not overwhelmingly it's just his drawings brought to life there's enough realism that it feels everything feels a little off center it's like tim's vision but put through this very gritty dirty like northeastern american feeling Mm -hmm. you know medieval sort of practices and very like puritanical views mixing with witchcraft i mean it's everything we talk about just in this podcast just summed up into a really awesome bloody fun movie yeah really fun like i just i love that movie the idea of a man of science being confronted with the supernatural right and not knowing how to process it uh that that movie really holds up and i know tim burton gets a lot of shit these days Mm -hmm. and to a certain extent it's deserving i mean i think sleepy hollow is probably his last great movie yeah it's one of those things where he makes a lot of movies Mm -hmm. and much like and night Shyamalan. When he's brilliant, he's brilliant. Right. I think he just needs to be inspired. He needs to be inspired and he needs to be honed back a little. So a lot of the the later, and I think this is fitting because it's a Halloween episode and who doesn't think of Tim Burton when they think of Halloween. The reason why I think a lot of his movies have floundered is because he got to that level of fame where he's allowed to do whatever he wants. You know, whatever he wants. He's the producer. He's the executive producer, the director, the writer the art director, everything. It's his vision. And when that happens, you lose a lot of what happens when other people's visions collide. Like Nightmare Before Christmas is so good because he created it, but he didn't write the script. Mm-hmm. Henry Selleck directed it. And then and then you've got Danny Elfman's score. There was enough other people that it wasn't just Tim. And it felt, and it became the thing it needed to be as opposed to what he wanted it to be. There are times now, I don't know if you've seen Big Eyes. I still haven't seen Big Eyes. It's, it's, him back to his roots because mm-hmm. he's it's it can't just be his vision because it's so so much a real world story it's based on a true story and i think those that's one of the things he does best right. like kind of like my, ed wood well that's one of my favorites by yeah him. yeah so i i think that is what he needs he needs to be put in a bit of a box like you can't really go outside you can't yeah. go full tim on this one <laughs> and he didn't on sleepy hollow it's it's johnny depp at his best it's Tim mm-hmm. Burton at his best. It's Christina Ricci at God, her best. I love her. She, oh my, yeah. I mean, She's, I, I think Christina Ricci was my first crush. Because of Casper. Well, <laughs> no, not because of Casper, because of Adam's family. Oh, I also Wednesday. think that Christina Ricci might be the reason that I love spooky shit so much. Could be. Because you got uh, Sleepy Hollow, Casper, Adam's family. Yeah. Um, all those movies in the 90s that, you know, she was the it girl for like spooky, but not too spooky movies. Right, right. Uh, you're you're right and it's funny because uh i didn't even think of adam's family but Mm. that's another must too because it's always on it's always either on netflix around this time or it's on you know disney family whatever they call it now uh, freeform um and and one more as we're talking about movies that i think is like 
kind of a ooh that's obvious, but would definitely have to be Hocus Pocus. Oh, yeah. Because as a kid, that was the most fun movie ever. That was Mm. taking the idea of trick-or-treating and turning it into whatever kid wishes it was. Yeah. Like actually running into a zombie and befriending him. He loses parts of his body from time Mm. to time. Your cat talks. Your black cat talks. Like Everything about that movie is so quintessential Halloween and will hold up forever that movie is it's well because they had a brilliant cast you know bet midler yeah bet midler gets shit done yeah and and you take someone like sarah jessica parker who people have had mixed emotions on her acting and stuff and she's just she just nails that role yeah of like the ditzy witch mm. such a great movie and i think in movies are important when we talk about halloween because at the end of the day you go out you get your candy if you're an adult you go to a party and you get drunk everybody's probably ending their halloween night with a movie yeah i would i would imagine uh the other piece of this i would want to touch on is i know i have a massive playlist in my spotify that i listen to year round because i am who i am but it's just my spooky time playlist (coughs) and it just makes me wonder what are your like top what are your go-to either songs or artists outside of the obvious like the adams family theme like Mm -hmm. But like actual artists and stuff that you go to for Halloween inspiration. Um, I oh, Halloween I always do a um, playlist. I'm actually loading up Spotify right now. Yeah. So I can, um, give you some examples. So um, this year I was trying to like veer away from like the ones that I always do. Right. So I, I always try to do maybe not like hard metal stuff. But right. That's really a little obvious tonight. Yeah. Strange ambiance stuff. Like yeah. this time of year is when I remember how much I like Primus. Oh, that's a good call. Right. Yeah. And um, you can get some seriously spooky songs. Right. Primus. You know, uh, things like Eclectic Electric or Lights in the Sky. Mm-hmm. Very eerie. Weird instrumentation that feels a little off. Yeah. That kind of stuff. Um, I will always listen to Werewolves of London. Oh, but course. to be fair, I'm just a big Warren Zevon fan, so yeah. I listen to that song in like my rotation. Anyway. Right, all the time. Yeah. A new addition to the list, which again, something I've been listening to a lot lately, but mm. fits now, uh, thanks to a recommendation by you, is Ghost. Yeah, they're so good. Yeah, they're, so they're good. fucking rad. The, so yeah. I have Square Hammer and He Is on my yeah. Halloween playlist yeah. this year. That's so awesome. I'm yeah. so glad that you're into them because i didn't give ghost a fair shot because when i first heard him and if you don't know about them they're a swedish metal band which already makes you think really gross looking typography and dirgy sounds but they're not like that so i didn't give them a fair shake because i like that stuff Mm -hmm. from time to time but i really need to be in the mood so i didn't give i just thought they're a run-of-the-mill band they've got a good gimmick because their lead singer is papa emeritus who's who's sort of an anti-pope he's got an upside down cross on it on his papal hat and he has a skeleton face and he's sort of the leader of the church of satan if you will and all of their songs are very satanic and they, things like that they at the grammys i don't know if it was this year i think yeah. it was maybe last year they did a, um, a song and they did he is mm. which is this really like it's a ballad it's a ballad yeah about lucifer Mm. and here's this man dressed as a parody of the pope (laughs) singing a song about lucifer at the grammys you know there's people out there like shitting their pants like oh these are the end times yeah Yeah. (laughs) so they're that's what first got my attention because i thought well they're super into all this evil stuff i have to at least check them out Mm -hmm. what surprised me was how 
catchy but also theatrical their songs are Mm -hmm. so i thought well they're a metal band so they fit into the same metal box where a lot of the metal i listen to fits but they really don't it seems like they're much more inspired by number one actual ecclesiastical music Mm -hmm. like church music there's a lot of organs there's a lot of very beautiful almost operatic melodies the lead singer papa has a beautiful smooth voice it's not it can be grainy when he wants to be a little scary but it's smooth Mm -hmm. and to me it's so much better than regular metal for halloween and for spooky stuff because it feels more like more fun it feels more it 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 feels more like you're watching like a vaudevillain show of people like putting on this spooky theater in front of you. Like they, every song tells a story. Mm-hmm. They have songs about witches. They have a song on their first album called Elizabeth, or they say Elizabeth because they're Swedish. Mm-hmm. It's got the catchiest freaking melody and this organ background. And it feels like it, it's like sixties pop meets metal meets church music it's just the weirdest mix and that's what you get with spooky stuff because you're not put into a box you can take all of those pieces i'm I'm looking at my playlist now and i think i guess maybe it's because i've been watching mindhunter Mm, on netflix but so good yeah it is but i I have like serial killers and just murder on my mind when i was making this playlist (laughs) so um i have goliath by the mars volta and that is a song about um jonestown oh wow yeah that's really cool it's really cool which is something that we've also talked about doing a whole episode oh, yeah. we'll on. do it's, cults, it's cults and, um, and uh so we won't get yeah. too much into that now but that's going to be a fun one when we cover yeah. that um i have and this is a throwback because this is a band i haven't listened to since i was fucking 14 but i have iowa by slipknot on here <laughs> all right which is right. a 15 minute <laughs> song about murderer mm-hmm. and i mean you can kind of skip parts of it but it's like sure. really it's really cool and i'm like I, I put that on here. I'm like, I, I seriously haven't listened to Slipknot since I was just beginning high school. And I think maybe I've been missing out because <laughs> this is cool. Um, they, they did have, I, I will say I'm not a big Slipknot fan, but for where they fit, they can be so much fun. Yeah. For, for their like right proper context. I yeah. Guess. We'll yeah. see. We'll see if I still, I'm still really jazzed on Slipknot in like another month from now. Right. Like, when you've listened to it a lot. Yeah. When all, <laughs> and all the, and all the skulls and you know, black cats are packed away and everything. Right. I might be like, all right, there's a reason I stopped listening to Slipknot, <laughs> but we'll see. I have the um, song that plays in the end credits, the first VHS movie. Um, it's called, they come to get us by the death set, oh. which is just like really like super, fast-paced british pop punk right that plays works really hand in hand well with like spooky mood i Mm -hmm. think even just from the sound like i've been i've been getting back into the adverts which were like a british 70s band Mm -hmm. not particularly they're not like the misfits they're not like singing about spooky stuff but something about the tone of the music the rhythm it feels so perfectly hand in hand i guess because they kind of sound like the cramps like it's perfectly mm-hmm. like yeah this is halloween music this makes me want to dress in black and just yeah smash pumpkins and fuck shit up any other like really big ones that um that that really like strike a tone for you this time of year these are deep cuts on here well i another one that is always in just like my rotation but this is definitely misfits season oh yeah yeah absolutely particularly the glenn misfits yeah yeah you got well and something about even the the unpolished sound which of course is quintessential to 70s and Mm -hmm. 80s punk it also makes it spooky 
Like, yeah. it, you know, if, if you listen to those really, especially because they've remastered some and you can get some, you can only remaster those cuts so much because they're yeah. pretty choppy when they first made them. <laughs> but if you listen to like the original version of something like London Dungeon, it sounds so spooky. It's, yeah. it's heavy, but it just feels like this should be playing in a haunted castle. I mean, obviously I'm the same. I've got a lot of misfits, but in particular, I've noticed over the past few years... I've really gotten into more soft stuff that just has like a spooky through line. Like mm-hmm. it just feels haunting. And the one big one for me that was such a happy surprise was years ago I heard about Ryan Gosling's band, Dead Man's Bones. Are Say, y- y- buckle in for this because okay. you're going to like these guys and you need to listen All right. to Because I mean, celebrity bands, I think, you know, fucking Jared Leto and his bone. Yeah. Right, gang. yeah, the, uh, Mar- the boner gang. <laughs> we'll call them the boner I would Jared Leto and these are my boners. <laughs> I would Jared Leto and a boner gang. Is I'm he- an American. <laughs> <laughs> I just assume that if your band's the boner gang, that you have to act British. So his band, Dead Man's Bones, is two two-man band. It's Ryan Gosling and his friend whose name I, I don't Russell Crowe. <laughs> we'll call him Russell. <laughs> Fought and around the world. <laughs> That's one of their hit songs. Um, <laughs> so... They sort of, much like us right now, vibed on the spooky stuff that they grew up in. And Ryan Gosling was a child actor, so he and for Disney, he was a Mouseketeer, so he grew up going to the haunted mansion all the time. So that like very deeply affected his life. So back in two thousand nine, starts his band, mm-hmm. Dead Man's Bones, and that what they did was they wanted to play lots of different instruments, organ, all different kinds of percussion and stuff. But things that they didn't know how to play that well. So they were both okay. musicians, like Ryan Gosling can play guitar and stuff like that. But they basically said, we're going to record everything ourselves and throw as much into it as we can and just make spooky. It's almost like chamber music meets indie music. Like you'll see, like whenever I listen to them, my Spotify will be like, you'd probably like the Antlers. And it's like all these other, like, mm-hmm. you know, kind of indie music. But all of the songs are very spooky like they have a song called werewolf heart they have a song called in the room where you sleep which has the best organ melody you're ever going to hear in your entire life you i'm telling you you're going to like these guys okay and ryan gosling's voice is super haunting because it's not very he's a good singer but it's not very polished like he doesn't sing like he would in la la land he sings like he would if he was playing dracula at like a community theater play (laughs) It's it's very weird, and it's it's funny because when I tell people about them, I, there are certain people that I've that I've talked to them about, and they'd be like, "Oh, I gotta check them out." And I'm like, "Don't, you won't like it." <laughs> but I think you definitely will. Okay, cool. I'll check that. They're a must for me year round. But the the bad thing is because his his uh, acting career is amazing. They only have one album, and I have been meaning to tweet Storm Ryan Gosling and be like, "Look, I'm really happy for you, bro." I need more Dead Man's Bones albums. Stop this Blade Runner crap. (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of the best thing you ever did. What didn't we touch on? Any other, like, Halloween thoughts for for people? The only thing we didn't really cover is costumes. Yeah, yeah, I guess not in depth. Let's talk about that a little bit. Okay. Let's let's make that happen. I got, um, (laughs) I, like I said, I always did, like, generally did a lot of, like, comic book themed uh, costumes. That's what I was into. And um, my mom would always make our costumes, mm. and she would get like you know kits and like sew and everything, and they were like really cool. So like I said, I was Venom one year when I was. This is probably ninety five, ninety six. Right. So, so we're seven is, years old, I guess. Yeah, and yeah. this is before you can go into Target and buy a costume for literally anything. 
Um, so my mom made it, and it was this really cool costume. Awesome. Yeah, it's um, I got I had like a ski mask that she painted the eyes on and did the teeth with like beads and sewed like the so beads. that they were physically there. Right. Yeah. And I wore um floaties like swim floaties for muscles for muscles <laughs> and she did the the venom logo on like a black sweatshirt it was really cool when i was really little i was obsessed with dinosaurs completely obsessed with dinosaurs i would watch like pbs specials about dinosaurs when i was like four and like knew everything about dinosaurs so <clears throat> when i was in kindergarten for halloween i wanted to be my favorite dinosaur which was a tyrannosaurus rex mm. so my mom gets the costume and it's red and it she makes it and it has like a tail and like my head's in the mouth and it's really cool and it has this row of spikes that's supposed to go down the back and i insisted no you can't put the spikes right. on there because that doesn't look like a t-rex right because t-rex <laughs> don't have the spikes makes you look like a dragon yeah so she makes the costume and i love it it's awesome i'm a t-rex <laughs> and i go to school the next day and it's on halloween and i'm wearing the costume and i get out of the car and i'm my mom's walking me into school and I'm feeling great. And as we're turning the corner, some kid sees me dressed in whatever costume, just point and goes, It's Barney. <laughs> now it I am so soul crushing. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm I'm in kindergarten, right. so I'm five. Right. This is just around the age where Barney stops being cool. Yeah, Barney is bullshit. And, by yeah, then. and yeah. I don't I I was always a Sesame Street kind of guy right. i never yeah, really my watched... sister and i hated barney we like I, deliberately wouldn't watch it when i never were. gave a shit about barney yeah. but i did not want to be barney so this guy <laughs> and says you're the that... king of the dinosaurs I, yeah i am the the most one of the most fearsome predators that ever walked the planet <laughs> so like i said i'm in kindergarten so we're the youngest group in the school so what they do is they take the kindergartners and they march them around the school to every classroom right. so everybody gets to see oh look at the cute kindergartners their <laughs> costumes are so great so i had to go into every single classroom in my grade school from kindergarten up to, to eight grade, grade eight yeah. <laughs> and at least one person in each classroom would point and go oh that kid's barney that's adorable i was i i was furious oh i was god. like oh my god i was so disappointed that's mortifying yeah especially at that age because you really can't laugh it off yeah like no. at that point you are thinking i'm the baddest motherfucker in my school mm. right now. maybe not in those words but yeah like yeah. you're a t-rex your favorite beast mm. i can't even i don't think i have a i don't think of an embarrassing halloween costume story just because i have no shame but i it's I'm glad that you brought it up because costumes are one of the most important pieces of it for me. And you know, and we've been friends for years, that I always take my costume really seriously. I try to make it as much as I can from scratch. I really don't like to, to buy a lot of stuff. So mm -hmm. I've had a lot of very cheap looking costumes, but elaborate. And uh, one of the things that was really important to me was all throughout high school and a lot of college, <clears throat> my best friend and I, uh, Dan, we would do, we would try to think of like a theme. And mm -hmm. we put that together. So I we remember were... it was the one time it was a party at my house, and you guys came as Scarface and Ventriloquist, Ventriloquist from Batman. Right, which and... wasn't even a Halloween party. That was your villain's party. Oh, so right. That's okay. An, that's an yeah. interesting thing, too, that we can touch on is our whole group, for the most part, especially the guys in our group mm -hmm. from high school, were all obsessed with Halloween. We all went over the top 
I know Theo's been stuff like Hellboy, and mm-hmm. and all of those are very homemade. We don't really spend a lot of Skrilla to to put these things together. Yeah, but it, it a lot of effort goes into a it. ton of effort, and I mean I've had Halloweens where I've missed almost an entire Halloween party because I'm still working on the costume up to the hour. And my girlfriend in high school was like very upset one year because we were supposed to be Sonic, Knuckles, and Tails. <laughs> Dan was Sonic, I was Knuckles, and Nicole was Tails. It was actually, I think, freshman year of college. And she was pissed because she was like, why are you taking so long? I was like, I'm making our all three of our costumes. And I'm spray painting in my backyard and doing all this stuff. And I was to me, it, it snapped where I was like, oh, I don't actually care if anyone sees this. Clearly. <laughs> I just want to make it and then wear it and be like, I did it. I was this person. Because I like looking at my list of like all of the characters I've been. I mean, mm-hmm. like, I was that. But going back to the thing you said about Scarface. So because we all love it so much, we have these costume parties more than just on Halloween. We've done it less so now because we're, yeah. we're, we're adults and we're, you know, we have jobs and lives. But we had a good stretch there where we'd have multiple times a year. At least um, like two or three times a year. Yeah. Besides Halloween. Right. Because you would have costume theme parties mm-hmm. in the spring. <clears throat> there were multiple years that Eric and Steph, who are two friends of ours, actually Carl, who you would remember from the from, Aliens episode. From our Alien episode, his older brother and sister in law, they would have theme parties in the summer. Yeah. And you'd go as like 90s themed or whatever. There was the 90s theme where we went, it's you were f- somebody from like the year. I was from like 20. 20- 20,090 BC. Yeah, I was I w- basically a Neanderthal. I was from the year 90,000, <laughs> so I had like, I was like a cyborg. My girlfriend at the time gave me this like David Bowie makeup and I had yeah. like, I had like tinfoil over me and like a weird yeah. gun arm and shit like that. Yeah. Joe um, was like the 1890s. He yeah. had like a monocle and a and, bowler cap. And Dan was a man who was 90. Who was in his 90s. Yeah. So we've got all these people with like their Rocco's Modern Life t-shirts and then we stroll in and when it hit everybody, <laughs> it made yeah. for a good reveal. Yeah. But with that villains party, Theo had a villains party, and Dan and I were the ventriloquist and Scarface, who are a villain duo of a ventriloquist and his dummy, who's the real boss. And we sold it, because that's what we do. Like, I carried Dan around, because he's smaller than me, and I held him like he was a puppet, and and, and that was how we spent the whole night. And that's the most fun thing about Halloween, is I think we get into it, and we stick with it. And we even did, we've had parties, I don't even remember, was it, was, it, was it on Halloween that we did the murder party, or was that different? No, that was that was the, yeah. the murder mystery one, that was, was on Halloween. But it was definitely in the spirit of Halloween, Yeah, where we've had many successful <coughs> nights where we have these themes, and everybody sticks with it. We don't, like, joke around, make do a funny voice. People stick to character, because yeah. I think we all really connect on Halloween. We connect on, and the costumes are a big part of it. I'm pretty sure that somewhere deep in my psyche... Halloween is just an excuse to dress and drag because I've done that <laughs> multiple times as, as Theo can attest to. But there's something fun about that idea of just like completely become not just like, oh, I'm dressed as this. Like, no, tonight I am carnage. So, yeah, costumes are, I think, a good thing to kind of close this out on. One of, it's so huge. One of my favorite pictures of myself as a teenager is a group shot of us the night that pirates of the caribbean 2 came out (laughs) yeah and all of us our whole group of friends which was like 20 people we rolled deep in those days. yeah Yeah. and every single one of us except jay harris (laughs) was dressed as a pirate and we all went to the movies all of us shouting with our fake swords waving around being assholes 
I remember that night. It was the second because we had done it. A few of us had done it for the first pirates, but for the second, we went a lot of us. Mm. And I remember I had worn a peg leg where I actually tied my leg up against my butt um, and wore kind of baggy pants. You can tell. And I actually walked around on like a Halloween plastic club that was just taped to my foot. <laughs> so we walk in, and I'm leaning, I think, on our friend Tim, and he's like helping me walk. And I'll never forget the shame. As we walk past the family coming out of a different movie, it's like young kids up to septuagenarians and like the grandfather, like patriarch of this family is being wheeled around and he was either missing both of his legs or one of them. (laughs) And I'm giggling my head off, hopping on my one leg like this is an hysterical thing to joke about. And I just hung my head in horror as I walked past this whole family as I'm like laughing about my my missing limb so i will say this we wish that dave was here in all seriousness mm-hmm. but he loves he loves halloween just as he much as li- and i think that's and a key thing he would have stories too and stuff and there's thank- been many halloweens that we spent together and yeah. it's always a blast yeah and thankfully this is a, a podcast about fear so we can talk about halloween whenever the fuck we want yeah so maybe we'll do that next time dave is back and he'll be back uh, hopefully for our next episode because he's getting married in two days from now. Yeah, so he does kind of have a legit excuse for yeah. not being here. Yeah, so so we'll uh, maybe recap some of that. Theo's very important. He's going to be one the one marrying them, doing the satanic ritual of, mm-hmm. of marriage. So congrats, Dave and Jenna from the AOE podcast. We wish you the best time in Ireland. And uh, come back soon because this is more important. Well, yeah, obviously. <laughs> So, on that note, thank you for listening to The Age of Enfrightenment, and happy Halloween. Happy Halloween, everybody. Oh, go on our website, aoepod.com. Look us up on iTunes. Rate us. (laughs) Give us a rating. Look us up on Facebook. Get drunk. Beat up your dad. (laughs) Look us up on Twitter, aoe underscore podcast. Do drugs in church. (laughs) Okay, bye, everybody. Wear roller skates to school. (laughs) Happy Halloween.